my friends. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Now, I'm Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. A few days ago, Lucia and I were meeting with a couple, and the conversation centered on the idea of confession. I shared some things with them to help as they continue to grow in loving each other well. At one point in the conversation, the wife said that she had not considered how confession and repentance require two willing parties. She only thought of the offender's responsibility, not the offended, the victim of the crime. Well, in this episode, I want to share with you some of the things that I shared with this couple. I I started thinking about this idea of repentance after the conversation was over, and I thought, you know, this would be beneficial for a lot of people to hear, because it is true that we do not do repentance well. I have been counseling for a very long time. I've been doing the work of discipleship since 1984, after God regenerated me, and I am one of those people that did not, for the longest time, know how to repent. And I'm talking about well, probably a solid two decades of not knowing how to walk through this idea of repentance. Now, I'm not going to do that in this episode. I am only going to talk about one aspect of repentance, which is this idea of confession. And so it's kind of like when you look at these Google Earth maps and you're looking at planet Earth, as you see that big blue sphere, that is the idea of confession, of repentance. But then when you dial in, zero in on a specific geographical location, then you're looking at the idea of confession. And so what I want to do is to go even farther, even deeper. I want to get inside confession and talk about some of the component parts of it in this episode. And so we're looking at planet Earth, repentance. We're going to dial in on a geographical location, that's confession, and then we're going to get even more into a microscopic position to where we can understand all of the curious contours of confession, and I trust that what I share with you in this episode will be beneficial to you. This is episode 287. The title of it is Considering the Curious Contours of Confession. And so this is basically a reenactment of sorts, uh, the things that I shared with this couple. I jotted them down in bullet points. I do have a lot of links here inside these show notes, and so if you want to go to episode 287, you, you will find everything that I'm sharing with you in bullet form. Now, I'm going to extrapolate on all of these bullet points, but what you will also find are links to videos and posters and articles. There is a lot of information here. And if you want to do a deep dive on this idea of confession, or if you want to pan out and, and do a deep dive in the whole concept of repentance, then these are the show notes that you want to that you want to bookmark and and possibly share with a friend so that you all can work through this together. Uh, 
uh, my friend Maricela was talking to me a couple of, a few weeks ago, I suppose. She was listening to a podcast, and she said, when you got down to the end of the podcast, you said there were 10 points, but you only mentioned nine. It was a podcast where I had a 10-point list of something. I don't remember now. And I only mentioned nine because I ran out of time. And she said, I wanted to hear number 10. And I, I do realize that was my fault, not her fault. It was my fault in the sense that, well, I have all that information here in the show notes. But I, I do realize that some people just listen to the podcast. We are so handy now. Uh, we have so many devices and so many ways of consuming content. And sometimes we can get in this track of of consuming content one particular way, like list, just listening to podcasts. But with the resources that we have, they intermingle with each other. And so some of it's in podcasts, some of it's in articles, some of it's in videos. And to benefit the most from any singular topic, it's really best to interact with the multiple ways that we present content. And so sometimes when I do a podcast, all of our, well, most of all our podcasts are 30 minutes, but I run out of time. And the reason I do 30 minutes is because I, I want people to have, I want people to know this is what we're going to get. This is Rick's pattern. This is how Rick does it. This is how I can set my calendar, my time. I know what I'm going to get. It's going to be 30 minutes, nothing more, nothing less. And, and you can plan somewhat that day, uh, plan around that idea. And that's one of the reasons that I do that. But I do realize sometimes I don't give you everything that's in the show notes, but then I have these show notes and you're welcome to access them. So I apologize to Maricela for not getting point number 10. And since we were in the conversation, I think I told her what that point was. But if I don't give you all the information that you want in a podcast, please just make a note of it and go to the show notes and you'll find it there. And then also, if you want to discuss even more in more detail with whatever it is that the subject is about, well, you can go to our free community forums and you can ask questions there. People have been doing that today, and people do that virtually every day. And so you're welcome to get on our forums and you can further interact with us. Before I get into the minutia of this idea of confession, I do want to share a quick note uh, from Marie. Marie has been listening to our research, our, well, listening, reading, watching our resources for a few months now. She's also been on our forums, and uh, God's been doing a work in her heart, and uh, she's been somewhat distanced, distant from uh, religion, uh, from Christianity, and uh, the Lord has been using this ministry in part to draw her uh, back to the Lord. And so she sent a note on January the 1st, this is 2021, and she says, as 20." 21 begins, I'm ready, after listening to Mr. Thomas for six months now, to find a new church. Now, she goes on with some other uh, things that she shared in her kind note, but I wanted you to hear that, uh, that God is using this ministry to impact hearts and this wonderful lady that lives somewhere in the United States. Uh, she's kind of been riding on the outside of Christianity and uh, for whatever reason, and now the Lord, somehow she stumbled upon our resources and she's been a faithful consumer of our content for, well, she said six months now. 
And the Lord has been moving her heart, and so she's starting to make the move to get back into a a local body. And I wanted you to be encouraged by that, and thank you, Marie, for sending uh, that note. I do find it quite encouraging. All right, this is episode 287, Considering the Curious Contours of Confession. This is a replication of a conversation, again, that Lucia and I had just a few days ago with a couple of our friends. Uh, It was a wonderful dinner conversation about all sorts of things, uh, but a good portion of it was about this idea of repentance, more specifically confession. Repentance does have many steps to it. The way that we teach repentance in our mastermind program and the resources that we put out in the public space is that repentance has 13 steps from beginning to end. It's like taking a rubber band and stretching it as far as you can, and then you look at the incremental aspects of this idea of repentance, and and the way that I lay it out is that there are 13 steps to it. Well, one of those steps is confession. It is one step of the overall process of, of repentance. Now, when it comes to repentance, and this is the aspect that the light came on uh, for this uh, couple, Repentance requires two willing parties, not just the offender. And I think sometimes, and then I'm talking about when there's sin within a relational context, a human relational context, there, there is also there is always there there must always be two willing parties, because every sin that we commit is against God. And so God is always a willing party, and the offender must be a willing party as well. But in a human relationship, sometimes we can think about repentance as just that person who sinned over there, that they have a responsibility to do something. Well, that is true. But if that person has sinned against you, then you have a responsibility to do something as well. And so repentance always requires two willing parties, not just the offender. And this is so important when someone sins against you or you sin against someone. There is a responsibility on the offended, the person who was hurt. The person who was victimized, the person who was sinned against, there was a responsibility on them to cooperate with the Lord to remove sin and to reconcile afterward. And I want to get into this idea as we move, as I move farther, uh, further into this uh, podcast. But if you want to learn the entire 13 steps of repentance as we teach it, I have all that information linked here in episode 287, Considering the Curious Contours of Confession. And what you'll find linked here is our primary article on repentance. Inside that article is a 30 minute podcast. And so you can read the article, you can listen to the podcast. I also have a poster here, a good size poster that lays out those 13 steps. Now, something that we did a number of years ago is we took that poster and we emailed it to our printer who is just around the corner from where we live. They do all of virtually all of our printing work. And I said, would you 
make this poster into a vinyl a vinyl poster that you can kind of roll up and unroll uh, like a very large super large placemat and so they put that poster on this piece of vinyl and so we uh, that you could roll up and you can uh, open it up and you can look at it. We used that uh, as we taught our children many years ago. Well, that poster is also linked here, and I would appeal to you to look at it. And then I have a 11-minute video on the doctrine of repentance. Now, that is the rock across the pond. Uh, that's a short version. But I also have a one-hour video here. And so all of those resources are here. An article, a podcast, a poster, a shorter video, and a longer video on repentance. And I sent all of this to my friends, and the husband sent by, he texted back, and he said, well, that's some heavy lifting there, and it is heavy lifting, and I thought about what he said, and I thought, yeah, it is. It is a lot of heavy lifting. It's a lot of work, but if we are serious about change, if husbands and wives are serious about change, they're going to get in God's sanctification gym, and they're going to pump the iron, and they're going to do the heavy lifting because they want to make their marriage, they want to make their family all that it should be for God's glory, for each one's mutual benefit, and also to impact their sphere of influence. Uh, So if you really want to do, if you're really serious about this idea of change, now if you're not, you're going to go to the gym and it'll be it'll be a New Year's resolution is what it will be. And, and they say that the average person, their New Year's resolution lasts about 15 days. That is the timeline for a resolution. And if you're not serious, you may make 15 days uh, working through this, but that will not be the time that you need in order to make these dramatic changes uh, in your life, your marriage, your family, and within your friend circle. But if you want to do it, it's here, the information. All right, let's jump into one aspect of those 13 steps, and that is confession. You all know that confession basically is a synonym that means to agree. It is an agreement. And so when you confess, what you're doing is you are agreeing. You are agreeing with God. You are agreeing with the Bible. When you sin, you transgress. And so it's like stepping over a line. There's a line of morality. There's a line of, or there's a line that separates morality from immorality. And when you step from morality to immorality, you have transgressed, you have trespassed, you have crossed the line. And when you confess that, what you're doing is you're saying, I agree that what I did is uh, I, I broke the law, I missed the mark, I sinned, I transgressed. And so you are agreeing with the truth of God's Word. You're agreeing with God. Now, as I said earlier, that confession is a responsibility of two willing parties. And what I said is, is that when you sin, the other willing party is always God. All sin, regardless of what it is, is a sin against God. And so there has to be a vertical transaction that happens when you sin. And sometimes God is the only person that you sinned against. 
Then there are situations where you not just sin against God, but you sin against another person. In context of this episode and the conversation that we had with that couple, we're talking about sinning against your spouse, and so I will use that as my running illustration here. Horizontal sin against another human being, which happens to be your spouse. Of course, all of these things apply to any human that you sin against. And so confession is an agreement. You agree with God that you have transgressed, you have crossed the line. And then when you go to the other person, you agree, you agree with, you agree, you let them know that you agree with God and His Word that you have sinned. Now, one of the reasons that you want to confess, and I say it's not just an agreement with God and others, but it is an agreement with specificity. You want to be specific about what you did. And there are two reasons for this, two solid reasons for this. One, you want to make it easy for the offended person to forgive you. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where someone came to you and they asked you, you know, will you forgive me? And they were kind of wishy-washy, vague, gray, ambiguous about what they were saying to you. And then you just go through Christian speak with them and say, well, I forgive you. But then they walk away and you're like, you know what? I don't think they really understood what they did. Now, in a husband-wife relationship, this can happen regularly where the husband or the wife can be very mean to their spouse, and then they come back to clean it up, and their confession is is that ambiguity type of confession to where it's not specific, they don't identify the sin, and they don't make it clear uh, to the person that they sinned against. And, and the husband could say, well, I, I forgive you because the wife asked, but due to the lack of specificity, the husband can go away thinking, wow, you know what? This really hurt. She was just, she just cut me to the bone. And just doesn't realize, I mean, it. I'm, I'm not even sure, one, I'm not sure if she knows what she did. I'm not sure if she's, she's serious. I'm not sure if she's just trying to clean up this mess uh, and, and just dust over it so she can move on. I'm not sure what's going on here because uh, there was just some vagueness and uh, lack of clarity. And what you want to do is, I told the husband the other night, I said, do you want to be the prosecuting attorney? You're not only the defendant, but you're also the prosecutor. And you want to prosecute yourself. You want to be so convincing. Imagine if a husband went to a wife and confessed his sin, and it was so so specific and so clear and just so plain about what he did that the wife would sit there and think, Oh, he knows. He understands how much he hurt me. He gets it, how deep that was. I mean, he really knows what he did, and and he is so prosecuting himself that it would make it hard for you to not forgive him after that kind of confession and request for forgiveness. And so one of the things about this confession, agreement with God, agreement with other others, but it's an agreement with specificity. Reason number one is you want to make it easy for the one who is offended to forgive you. And then the second reason is, is that 
You need to know what to put off. You see, again, repentance is 13 steps. Well, as you move down, as you progress through these steps of repentance, eventually, once you clean up the mess and neutralize the sin by the power of the gospel, eventually you're going to get to the place of putting it off. And if you don't know what to put off, your former manner of life, as Paul said in Ephesians 4.22, if you don't know what to put off, well, you can't put it off. And so that's another reason that you really want to be specific about what you did. And so make it clear to the offended so it will be easier. It won't be easy for them to forgive you, depending on the severity of the sin, but it will be easier for them to do it if you're not vague about it. And then when you get to the place of putting off, renewing, and putting on a new type of behavior, well, you'll be clear because you know what you did. Now, when I talk about this idea of two willing parties, I want to speak to that specifically right now, because, and I want to talk to the offended, the victim of the crime, the person who was ran over, the person who was hit by the automobile. I, I want to talk to that person. The offended must prepare their heart to receive the confession. Now, when I talk about this in repentance, it's the step that I call pre-forgiveness, before you forgive them, before the forgiveness transaction happens, there is this season, this space of pre-forgiveness where the offended person gets their heart right to receive the person who offended them. You'll see this idea implied. You'll sense this in Genesis 50:20, as you hear the heart of Joseph as he was talking to his brothers who were so cruel to him. And you don't what you don't hear in that text is a bad attitude from Joseph, a critical spirit. You don't hear cynicism. You don't hear any form of anger or frustration with his brothers. Joseph was was very um, he had worked through what his brothers had done to him, and you just hear grace coming from him. Well, that just doesn't happen if you have been on the receiving end of somebody sinning against you, which you have, then you have hurt. You have struggled. And what you want to be careful of doing is just saying, I forgive you when you have not worked through the hurt that you are struggling with. And I realize in some context it takes time because some sin against when one spouse sins against, sins against the other spouse, you need time to work through it. You can forgive. Now, please understand, you can forgive when you're not entirely ready to forgive, but you must be honest about your heart's attitude. You have to be honest about your heart attitude because if, if you're not honest about your heart attitude and you're still struggling with what they did, even though you have granted forgiveness, there's going to be an accumulation of sins that's just going to collect uh, uh, around your heart. It's kind of like a log sticking up in a creek, and then the leaves come down the creek, and they lodge against the log, and then more leaves come, and more leaves come, and then after a while you have this whole 
bunch of leaves that are uh, have collected around this log that's stuck in in the creek. And if that sin is not fully taken care of, you, you can struggle with unforgiveness and anger and bitterness and your own critical spirit because you haven't dealt with what is going on in your heart. And I do believe that there are a lot of people there are a lot of husbands and wives where they go through this confession process, but the offended has not worked through the hurt of it all, that they have not worked through the hurt of it all. And in some cases, and I mentioned this to this, to this couple, there may be a need for a double confession, a double confession. And this is the language that Lucia and I use to talk about this idea when we when we sin against each other. It works out like this. A husband, uh, I sin against Lucia. I'll do something, whatever, unkind, mean, mean-spirited, angry. And I sin against her. And then I get my head screwed on straight. And then I go to Lucia and I say, Lucia, will you forgive me for getting angry at you? you know, about such and such, such and such. And she says, I forgive you. And then she comes back and says, will you forgive me? Because I actually sinned against you in my heart when you did that. This is the idea of double confession. And you need to be honest with yourself about this, because we do this, I believe we do this more than we recognize, more than we talk about. And, and, and definitely more than we uh, go to the effort to clean up, that when you're sinned against and you're the victim of the sin, and it's legitimate, but yet you start sinning in response, either in your heart or you actually respond sinfully as you act it out, maybe even gossiping or uh, or slandering the person for what they what they did to you. And you have to acknowledge that. And that's part of this idea of two people working working through it. And you say, well, Rick, if the wife uh, or the husband did that in response, you know, is it righteous anger? It could be, but I, I would want to be very careful there. You need to be a little more suspicious of yourself. And I think sometimes it would be easy easier to tag what we did, our response to sin as righteous anger, and let ourselves off the hook. Uh, But I would just question that, and I would want to work through that. And by the way, if you're humble, and the couple is humble, you'll be willing to have that conversation. And maybe maybe there's no need for a double confession, but maybe there's a need to have a conversation about what you thought, and you need to have a full conversation about this entire event. Because what you want to do, what you want to do is you want to neutralize that event. And if there's something lingering in the offended person's heart, the victim, if there's something lingering in their heart, you have to talk about it because all of this has to be neutralized by the power of the gospel, all of it. And the way I explained it to them is that this sin has to be roadkill, not just the sin that you committed, but her response to the sin, the the victim's response to the sin. And you will know if your confession and the acceptance of the confession is real if you can talk about it afterward. If you can't talk about what happened, you must revisit the steps of getting to this place of confession. 
You've got to revisit this because it's not dead. If you can't talk about it, you will not help the offender from doing it again. Because what should happen after we sin against Christ and he forgives us, Christ is very active in our lives to help us so that we are not repeat offenders. And so in a husband-wife relationship, if they can't talk about what has happened, what has transpired, the sin event, then they have not work through this idea of confession, and there's other aspects of repentance as well. They haven't worked through that because they can't talk about it, and if you can't talk about it, then you're not going to be able to work through full repentance, which is overcoming, because here's what you want to do. Let's say Rick sins against Lucia, and I ask her to forgive me. I confess my sin and ask her to forgive me, and she she does that. But she's real. She's harboring unforgiveness in her own heart, or anger because I'm such a knucklehead, or she's bitter, or she's just growing in a critical spirit. Then that's sin. All that's not dead, and then she will not be able to help me, because what she wants to do as my primary disciple maker, Lucia is my primary disciple maker because she knows more about me than any other person. I am her primary disciple maker. I know more about her than any other person. Therefore, we disciple each other better than anyone else can disciple either one of us because we have more data on each other. But if if sin is not reconciled between us because we haven't worked through confession properly, then she's not going to be a good disciple maker because what she wants to do is she wants to help me to move from a pattern, let's say anger, wants to move from a pattern of anger to episodes of anger, and from episodes of anger to virtually non-existent episodes. It wants You want it to get kind of like a, a, a person who's dying where their heartbeat is until finally it's dead. And I'm talking about that old man is dead. The goal is to move past confession to the work of putting it off, renewing the mind, and putting on a new behavior. And if you don't do confession well, there will always be something between you, and you won't mature well together. You won't spread God's fame, and you won't be good disciple makers. This is episode 287, Considering the Curious Contours of Confession. Thank you so much for listening. Be blessed. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.